Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker. Parker, do you want to make a movie? Hang on a second. Are you tricking me into singing the Do You Want to Build a Snowman song? No, no. Because so, I'm not doing this. <laughs> that's, I'm that... stopping you right now. No, that's a good pull. I was not going with that. It's just that there are a number of things that you need to do when you make a movie. You need to cast really good actors, like... You know, maybe get Michael Fassbender. He's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. And to huge hog, and to adapt a critically acclaimed work sometimes helps. So you don't have to write your own script. So how about the Swedish novel no one's ever heard of? That's a good idea. And name your character something catchy that all the kids will enjoy and you'll remember, like Clarice Starling, or let me grab my notes here. Uh, Can't do Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Jack Reacher. No, Jack Ryan. No. John Wick. Uh, there he's taken. No. John Connor. No. Mm-hmm. I got it. Yeah, go. Harry Hole. <sighs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, we watched The Snowman. The Snowman, like we said, is based on a Swedish book that no one's ever read. It stars Michael Fassbender, and he plays a character whose name is legitimately, and I'm not making this up, Harry Hole. <laughs> Detective. <laughs> You're going to be hearing a lot of that tonight, ladies and germs. <laughs> uh, giggling at this name, Harry Hole. I legitimately, I, I was, uh, I got a friend over in Korea, and I, I help her out with English every That's once in a while. Nice. I said, English lesson one. If you're writing a movie and you cast Michael Fassbender and it's called The Snowman, do not name your main character Harry Hole. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, why not? I said, say it out loud. (laughs) I mean, I really liked his wrestling gimmick, the Harry Hole damn show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I can't believe you went and did that. Uh, I've been drinking. Oh, I wish I had. All my beers at home. So... Now, before we get to this, do you have any news? Do you want to talk about the MRA cut of the latest Star Wars movie? (laughs) I mean, I know January's just a real graveyard of movies. And I know you had a lot of trouble with The Last Jedi, you know, with a lot of things you didn't like. What if we took all that stuff out, let's say about two hours worth of stuff, and just threw that in the trash? Whoa. And had a perfect cut of The Last Jedi that only had men in it. Uh, What does that do for you? (laughs) I think it would be entirely incomprehensible. Well, good news. <laughs> so what's the last Jedi? <laughs> that, <laughs> they're right, that is true. Now, it, maybe that's their point. Maybe that's like the MRA's point that, like, if you cut out all the women, then the movie doesn't make any sense because there are too many women in here, you know? Exactly. It's you sexist. Put, I have my cool space movie about dudes holding swords and Nazis, and all of a sudden you put broads with purple hair in it? I don't think so. Yeah, like, this is a mature... War- I can't it's, even finish it's that. It's the Come darkest on. of the series, <laughs> and it's for adults, and I'm an adult, and it's cool that I'm an adult, and I buy these adult toys for adults. Exactly. Now, I can't believe that they're going to the f- do this. I wonder, would they have done this for the new Mad Max? Don't put that evil on oh. me. I absolutely refuse to let you put this evil on me. We've 2018 is fucking... We've just started... You're not going to put this evil in my head. Oh, I will. Uh, luckily, they won't do that. Parker, what's the worst movie that you saw last year? Oh, there were so, so many. I mean, does the first half of Bright count? Because I watched <laughs> half of that in 2017 and half in 2018. <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> okay, maybe it does. Uh, <laughs> Should all acquaintances be for God? You and your orc friend can go bust some goddamn elves. Now, there are several other bad movies that we didn't watch. A gentleman by the name of Steve J. Donahue has released his list of the worst movies of 2017. Oh, I'm going to get so mad, aren't I? Oh, well, before we go any further, realize that he hasn't seen a whole lot of movies. He didn't see Fifty Shades Darker, so I don't know why he made the nice. list at all. Uh, he didn't see Geostorm, didn't see Baywatch, and didn't see The Snowman. Again, I, I don't know how you make this list without those movies. Hey, remember how we didn't make a best of list because we didn't see the best movies? Yeah, exactly, because maybe it Isn't would be Isn't it cool wrong. that we, we have more integrity than this person? <laughs> and we laughed at Harry Hole for the first five minutes of this show. Exactly. So, number 19. He goes 19 deep. He doesn't go 20 deep. Fucking kill yourself. 19 deep. Number 19 is Beauty and the Beast. On his on his worst I mean, movies of the year. I mean, I didn't like it, but... I have to admit... As a man who watches a lot of horror movies, that is not top 20. I, well, that's the thing. Is I, I saw plenty of bad movies, and I, I would say that I did not like Beauty and the Beast. Number 19 worst? Really? I, I forgot it the moment it ended. Hell, it might actually be my number 19 worst, but it's like, once you get that bad, it's like, why even mention this movie? It's, it's not bad enough to be put in the same list as, like, the Emoji movie. Anyway, number 18, Annabelle Creation. I mean, that was actually... I'm not going to say good. It was surprisingly decent. I mean, it is all jumps. This is the so, worst. That's not what, this is the worst. If that's, that's not, not what you list. want out of a movie, you ain't going to like it. Number 17, Atomic Blonde. It's fine. <laughs> Everyone's entitled to opinions, which is cool. It's not the movie they... You know what? I understand it. They advertised it like John Wick. It wasn't John Wick. I don't have a problem with this list. This guy seems cool and smart. Number 16, A Bad Mom's Christmas. I don't think either of us watched that. Yeah, you know what? I mean... He's making sense so far. Number 15, Star Wars The Last Jedi. I'm fucking fine is what I am. I'm totally not mad. It's cool. Uh, number 14, Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Well, that's just factually incorrect. <laughs> Sorry. Number 13, Amy Schumer's Snatched. I don't I think mean, we saw yeah. that. Number 12, okay, yep. the remake of The Mummy. Should be higher. All right. Number 11, Wish Upon. That movie is incredible, and I cannot wait to watch it again. Number 10, Kingsman the Golden Circle. Yeah, this guy, I'm into this guy. He seems to have good opinions. There we go. I like him. Number 9, The Shack. Uh, I don't think we watched that. Nope. Uh, number 8. Is that the uh, Space Jam? Mm, no. Number 8, The Circle. Don't I don't think we watched that. Number, nope, heard that was balls, though. Number 7, Cars 3. Did anyone watch that? Even the kids didn't watch I, that. I'll take his word for it. Number 6, My Little Pony the Movie. Whatever. I, Hi, I'm I'm a forty year old man. This movie for children is not for me. Yeah, why would Nailed why it. did you go Good watch job. that? This doesn't even make sense. Number five, and this is the one that really bothers me. Number five, oh, Transformers: The Last Night. That to me was the number one worst movie of That's the year. Number one of my fucking life. Yeah, I, I actually hate the movie. Number four is an animated movie called Leap. Uh, ever heard of it? I I will probably never see it, and that's fine. Number three, The Bye Bye Man. You are not wrong. You know what? This guy has a pretty good list. I'm not sure why you're trying to troll me, Chris. <laughs> Number two, the Emoji Movie. Look, I saw both Correct. the Emoji Movie and Transformers last night because I make terrible decisions with my life. How's your life going? <sighs> Worse than ever. Uh, but the Emoji Movie is nowhere near as bad as Transformers last night. Transformers last night is one of the worst things I've ever seen. And number one, I don't think either one of us saw, 9 11. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did you do this whole segment just so you could say 9-11? Because bravo, sir. No, I... You've outdone me. (laughs) 9-11 really is the one that they chose with their worst movie. Uh, I I think it's a terrible list. They ought to be ashamed. Uh, Let's talk about The Snowman. Now, this... I saw more bad horror movies than anything on that list. Did you you fucking sat through rings? I dare you. (laughs) Double dog dare you. I watched Fern Request last week. Spoilers for what I watched recently. That movie's a pile of garbage. Oh, uh, speaking of what we watched recently, I went out with Alex when we actually liked to see Blow Up, a 1966 movie in theaters, instead of watching the Steelers versus Jaguars game. Nice choice, idiot. <sighs> yeah, I have to admit, it wasn't really that good. It was supposed to be some sort of classic, and it really wasn't very good. It's kind of like The Conversation, but less good so what you're saying is movies made before 1989 are not good i would disagree with that sentiment entirely um, uh i mean big trouble in little china came out before hand. 89 so nice try hey, bro you, know what? you try and fucking curveball me like that yeah. in front of my friends i don't appreciate it <laughs> don't try and play with me dude uh now i also watched the guest oh wait so, yeah, I haven't Oops. watched a whole lot of movies since the last time we recorded. I wanted to see the Samurai movie. I didn't even get a chance to do that. Well, let me just tell you a thing about Fern Request. It is a movie that's real and was really in theaters, and it would have been on literally everyone's worst of the year list if anyone had either seen or heard of it. Really? It is hor- Imagine how bad Unfriended looked and just really crank that up. It is... All the dialogue absolutely feels like it was written by someone who doesn't speak English natively, <laughs> and no one bothered to finish translating it. They just kind of ran it through. It was like, yeah, that's good. Those are words a human might say. And you learn pretty early on that like the ghost that's haunting her wants to make her miserable, so it's going to kill off her friends, but not her. So you know for like an hour of the movie, she's not in danger. Really good way to build suspense. Did you say the ghost? <laughs> oh, John. What if I tell you that a goth girl kills herself and puts a curse on the popular girl who was mean to her? So this is just like Moaning Myrtle, but online? Yes. Extremely online Moaning Myrtle. (laughs) Aggressive posting. (laughs) Oh, man. Remember her in the movies? God, I hated her voice. Anyway, (laughs) uh, let's talk about the snowman. Parker. By the way, but uh, before we do, I just wanted to congratulate you two. I watch I, Tanya. I listened to your guys' take. It was very brave of you to both stand against domestic abuse like that. Well, I'd like to think that we are very the first brave. podcast to actually be 100% against domestic abuse. Someone's been drinking Blue Moons while watching Happy Death Day. There's nothing... It was this guy. Oh, man. Was was Happy Death Day the... It was surprisingly fun. Was, was uh, that the uh, Groundhog's Day horror story? Yes. Oh, how did that go? It was. I'm actually surprised how good it was. Like, it's not great, but I feel like if I ranked my horror from last year, it would slide into like a nine or ten just for being a fun light watch. It doesn't make me feel terrible afterwards. So, who doesn't love a fun whodunit? So, it's a little bit. Uh, is there a bit of comedy in there? Uh huh. That's good. It's nice black humor. It's good. It's definitely. So it's like Medea directed it, or Tyler Perry. Yes, Tyler Perry's Boo. <laughs> Very Medea. Oh, fantastic! Well. Are you ready to talk about The Snowman, or did you watch, like, three other movies? I did, but we're fine. We can talk about Harry Hole. <laughs> I watched half of The Punisher, and spoilers, everything that's not about The Punisher is incredibly boring. Shocker. 13 episodes are too many. Still. Just like every other Netflix Marvel show. I'm not surprised. 
The Snowman was largely derided as one of the worst movies of last year. And I remember everyone saying, it's like, oh, you you guys got to see this. This is so bad. I mean, this is really bad. It's not even good bad. That's why I didn't see it in theaters. Is As soon as you tell me it's not even good bad, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I should do this. Like, I've already Dude, made give up your decisions. afternoon and spend some money. You won't have fun. Doesn't that sound great? Well, it sounds the opposite of great. I, I don't like the <laughs> idea of, I, I mean, I had to spend money to see Transformers the last night. I couldn't even yeah, escape from that movie. I was boxed in. It's like they built a brick wall around me to keep me in to actually watch that shit. And then there was also the Emoji movie. I ignore that chiming. It's from my clock in the room. It's just going to be there no matter what we do. Um, so to see something like this, no, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this after the fact so I don't have to pay money for it. <sighs> Parker, have you ever seen Let the Right One In? You know what? And... Embarrassingly enough, I have not for some reason. I'm upset at myself. Well, it's one of my, I have no excuse. It is one of my all-time. Not even the joke that it's a foreign movie. I just legit don't have an excuse. It's it is one of my all-time favorites. I think it's one of the best of its decade. It it's just an incredible movie, start to finish. You don't even read the book. Just watch the movie. It's really good. Well. Well, I don't have here. to worry. Yeah, uh, I do have a giant, like huge poster of it in my room. It says, "Oh, it's." spectrally binding and stuff like that i was like oh this is great you know and at the bottom it says see it now before hollywood remakes it and ruins the whole thing lo and fucking behold <laughs> they did uh, they made let me in which is not great uh let the right one in though is great and i i think it's largely the direction they put in a lot of work and every single shot from it looks nice there's another movie that this director did called tinker taylor soldier spy um my mom and i really like that movie it's very good you should see it so when, sounds like a book. Pass. Okay, but anyway, the director when when I hear he's coming out with like a murder mystery that and like the killer is sending letters to the police and they've got to solve him. Like, oh hell yeah, I'm in. I'm totally in for it. And then I watch the trailer. the The letters, the drawing of the snowman. Uh, I and I could just tell right away this was not going to be sufficient. This was not going to be any good at all, and. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but there is something going on where it's just like, this looks like it's really going to suck hard. Because there are parts of the trailer that are really well shot. I'll get to that in a bit, but it's the one thing I do kind of like about the movie. Yeah, I can't remember what movie I saw, but the trailer for this played in front of it. And the people I was with, we both looked at each other like, uh, is Michael Fassbender okay? Because <laughs> he's a great actor, but he has been in nothing but garbage. I saw Assassin's Creed. That's a thing I did with my life. Well, he, he filmed this right after Assassin's Creed, so... Boy. Next time you ask me how my life's going, I'm going to say better than Michael Fassbender's. <laughs> I mean... I don't care how big he's his been blessed. Is. He's been blessed in other ways. <laughs> I'm glad we both went to the same... <laughs> if you think I don't have multiple notes about how this movie would be better if he just whipped his humongous cock out. Can you imagine if he was like sleeping on one of those benches just straight up hanging brain? Oh my god. Now it would stick to the ground. <laughs> Now, one of the problems with him hanging brain here is that this movie is filmed and indeed set in Norway. It makes sense because it's a Norwegian uh, story and the director is Swedish, so they would film over in Europe over there. But here's kind of a big problem with me. They went through so much effort to make this not Norwegian, 
if you don't have the language in there, it feels like you're sort of, I don't know if it's erasing the culture or something, but it feels like you're taking something away from the setting. They even removed like all the the Norwegian lettering and stuff like that. Did you, did you ever see uh, the American adaptation of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? You know, it's sitting on my shelf and I've Parker. never cracked it open. Look, I watched all the movies with my lady friend and it's never easy to go, hey... You want to sit down and watch this cool movie where this girl gets abused sexually? Uh, okay. That's always a tough go, you know? Right, okay, that's a good point. But still, that's a fantastic movie. That one is set in Sweden, but all the dialogue's in English. That's fine. There's another movie I really like. I'm going for old movies. You're going to have to bear with me. Z. It's a movie that takes place in Greece, but all the dialogue is in French. You, you can do this. It's okay to do something like this. <laughs> But you you have to, like, it has to be a really good movie. Like, you're really going to have to go all in for it. I think one of the reasons this movie fails is that everyone is speaking with a different accent. Michael Fassbender is speaking with a British accent. Uh, J.K. Simmons is speaking with close to a Norwegian accent. He's and Val Kilmer, I have no idea. I think that's oh an American accent. I guess it's just like, well, these stupid Americans will just think they're all European. It doesn't matter. It's all the I'm, same to them. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they're doing. And I understand that English is a universal language, but... Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. This just doesn't work. Really? I thought the movie was just well put together, coherent, easy to follow, not too complicated, full of good characters... Good performances, good accents. Now, before we actually good start tension. off with like a synopsis of the movie, because we kind of have to do this, although I think we will have a lot of trouble with it, oh, yeah. we do have to talk about Val Kilmer. Holy Jesus. When I saw his Pray name in the credits, for... I was like, oh, this is going to be rough. And then I saw his face. I almost dialed 911. Like, not even trying to be funny. My note for it was... Is Val Kilmer okay? Because <laughs> it is so upsetting seeing his face. Turns out, and this this will make us both feel bad. Turns out he was, he said he was dealing with a healing of a cancer. Was he dealing with the healing of getting stung by a million bees in his face? I, yeah, I don't know what's going on with his cheeks. He said his tongue was so swollen he couldn't even speak, so all his lines were dubbed. I was like, cast someone else then. It's fucking Val Kilmer in 2017. Exactly, boy, he aged almost as bad as. Brendan Fraser. You know what? Don't drag Brendan Fraser's name through the mud on my podcast ha, in 2018. Have you seen Brendan Fraser lately? He looks like Steve Bannon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He does. I know it hurts that you said this to me. <laughs> anyway, oh, we'll get a we'll get on to actors looking like other people in a bit. But uh, oh, Val boy, Kilmer I'll is be... one of the most distracting parts of this movie because there's really no reason for him to be in here. You could have cast anyone in this role; it would have been fine. Why does he speak with an American accent? Why does he look like that? Why is his face like that? <laughs> Can you tell me what the look on your face the moment you went? Wait, did they dub over him? And then his weird accent didn't match up with his voice. Because I stared in abject terror at my screen. That point was that was like the eighth worst thing about the movie. <laughs> I know, but like every decision, none of it plays really into the plot. By the way, you can lose all of it. Oh yeah, of course. Well, either well, he does discover a dead body and then shoots a gun off to scare off the birds, because that's dramatic, <laughs> Parker. It's cool that all the dialogue is just given over walkie-talkie in that scene. <laughs> well, they don't even have the walkie-talkies out. No one's holding a walkie-talkie, just walking, and someone's narrating. No, like, they have like the walkie. They have the walkie-talkies in their head, like in Dreamcatcher. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I found a decapitated girl, Jonesy. 
can't believe this is the one we're calling back to all the time. <laughs> so it's really good. So let's start off. I the... keep it moving in my mind palace. No. Hey dog, what time is it? Time for the snowman. It's three oh eight. That doesn't even make sense. Why would it chime at three oh eight? I said, baby, it's three oh eight, and I must be lonely, Mister Police. <laughs> okay, okay. Now I will say this about the movie: <laughs> uh, it was it was largely derided for being far too confusing. But I would argue that it was, at once, too confusing and far too easy to understand. The Snowman is, ostensibly, a murder mystery. Within the first, I'd say, 15-20 minutes, we know who the killer is. Like, there really is no mystery. If you have seen any other movie before, you know who the killer is. It's, it is very, very obvious. They don't say outright, hey, it's him, he's gonna be the killer. But any sort of sense of like deduction you know he's the killer this is usually the scene that you would like take and you would re-edit it and you would put it like at the climax this is like when you realize oh, this is the twist he was the killer all along and this is what he went through to make him like this or or something along those lines or or do something with it because you don't put all of this at the beginning of your movie why does the mother kill herself like that I don't have the slightest idea what the fuck is going on in that entire opening sequence. When his mother gets slapped around, why does he pick up the coffee beans instead of his mother's limp body? Look, I very much considered stopping the movie when it got to present day and backing up and restarting it. Because I'd had no idea what in the unholy fuck was going on. This is one of the reasons why it should have been filmed in the Norwegian language, because then I would have been reading the bottom of the screen. I wouldn't have had to see Val Kilmer's fucked up face. And I would have been more confused. I would have said, oh, it's European, so that makes it okay. By the way, you know what a real problem with filming in Norway is? Having eight different Norwegian women that look the same coming in and out of scene. <laughs> okay, that's actually definitely There are so many cuts where I'm like, wait... Is that his partner? Wait, that's his ex-wife? What? Who are these people? <laughs> this movie fucking sucks. There, there are a couple characters who I think might actually be the same actress. <laughs> might as well be. Yeah. Uh, anyway, cut to present day. Well, might as well describe it. There's some little boy living in Norway in a house with no one else around. It is like the most... Like, how, how would you describe it? The most deserted house in, like, a deserted area or whatever. Anyway, he's sitting there and, like, some guy comes by and he makes him take a test. And he fails the test. His mom gets slapped around as a result. And he leaves because he's actually the boy's biological father. And the woman drives off and drowns herself in a lake in her car. It almost kills the boy, and she just doesn't even move. It's just the, the weirdest fucking scene. <laughs> immediately, and right before it, he builds a snowman, and there's really no reason for him to build the snowman. Uh, so you you realize it's like, oh, he's going to be a killer, and the snowman's going to be his calling card. I watched the trailer. Uh, cut to present day. Detective Harry Hall. <laughs> Detective Harry Hall is lying on a bench because detectives and policemen don't get paid well. <laughs> I guess not. I guess Norway doesn't love our cops like we do. Well, the thing is, he's we love our law. They don't pay their <clears throat> legendary cops very well. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You know, Parker. You know how I can tell he's a legend? Because because in, in the prophecy, you can see oh, that the... <laughs> Jesus God, only a hole can be a bright. <laughs> only a hairy hole can be the one. <laughs> Detective Harry Hole in the Orc. <laughs> I 
can't believe this movie. Fairy so lives don't matter, and he pulls out his humongous <laughs> cock. <laughs> you see, kids, the penis is the wand, uh, and the magic is what's on screen. It's subtle symbolism. So, <laughs> let's talk about the elephant trunk in the room, folks. <laughs> Michael Fassbender's penis is gigantic. Yes. Anyway, Harry Hole. <laughs> God, I can't say it without like laughing to myself. <laughs> Harry Hole goes to the police, and they're like, "Oh, someone was found killed. Uh, you should go solve it." He's like, "Uh," and he decides he will go solve it. But there's also some girl from the academy. It's just like I've been stunning you. You're a genius. You're a legend. You're all this other stuff. And she straight up steals his notes and like kind of helps him out. I I went to like Wikipedia and IMDb to like look up who this character is. She just she's described as a brilliant assistant. Does she ever do anything that's actually brilliant in the movie? No. Yeah, she just kind of fucks around, doesn't she? She does nothing. They all make the worst decisions every time. Yeah, uh, this is... Like, not to jump ahead too far, but... At no point in the movie does anyone go, Hey, there's a snowman and all these corpses. Do you think they're related? Well, there's that. Uh, I have to admit, this is the middle section of the movie is perhaps the most confusing. Yeah, good luck. I... There are they. All right, hold There's on. There's a bunch on. of names with with vowels that have lines through them and a bunch of garbage. I don't understand. There are some umlauts and I don't. You fucking keep it. Look, I, the best I could tell is they come across a bunch of dead bodies, and they're like, "Oh, it must all be the same guy," because he's like decapitating them or like cutting up their parts of their body, and the and Harry Hole keeps getting. <laughs> Keeps getting letters from some guy who keeps showing a snowman, saying, "Oh, I gave you all the clues. Why would you send a letter to the police if you're killing people? Why would you put that snowman on all of your posters? Why would you the take the time design. to build a snowman when you should be busy killing people? Why would you? Yeah, no, yeah, that's no, for later. No. I'll just bottle it up. I'll bottle it up. We're fine. Now, what do all these women have in common?" They're white, and they look exactly the same. Uh, close. What I was going for is that they were women. They were women. Oh. All have... I mean, that was my first thought, yeah. but usually they... you're, you know, not me. Yeah. I, now, do we know another uh, story that's set in a snowy European country where there's a killer of women? Uh, you know, I'm not very cultured, Chris. I know. I... So, they they also the other thing is that they all have children, and they are all, like, divorced, or the husband's just not in the picture. So. Man, I wonder whom the killer could yeah, be. Yeah, I wonder if this ties back into anything we just discussed. I wonder if it ties back to the one character who just keeps showing up going, Hey, Harry. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> well, I have to go, movie. Oh, that Hope reminds no one me. Dies while well, I'm another gone. one of the movie's failings is that the snowman killer... Like I said that uh, refers it. to Harry Holt as Mister Police. <laughs> Jesus Christ! A little English lesson to everyone here who's like trying to follow along our bizarre slurred speech: Do not refer to the police as Mister Police, because that's bonkers. <laughs> uh, another thing here: So all these people are getting cut up. There is a moment in the movie where they get a missing persons report, and they go to the woman's house who's missing, and they're like, "Are you this missing person?" She's like, "Yeah, I'm not missing." And they're like, "Oh, okay." Huh. Must have been a crank call. And they leave. 
Uh, well, there's a killer well, of women sorry out there. To be, sorry for the trouble, ma'am. I turned your radio off. Bye. As soon as they turn around, they get a call saying, hey, we just found a report of a dead body with this person's name. And they're like, oh, that's impossible. We were just there. It's like, it came in like three seconds ago. <laughs> and they drive back and they see the woman. They're like, what's up? She's like, oh, no, that's my twin sister. She died. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why does she have a twin sister just to go... Gotcha. Got you at home for two seconds in a scene that doesn't matter. So, Harry Hole is not doing great, but, you know, there's a subplot here that I do not understand. J.K. Simmons is in this movie. Now, I mentioned oh earlier, J.K. Simmons is one of the people who's actually trying. He he knew he was going to be in this movie, right? He's like, here's the role you're going to be, and he's like, I'm a professional actor. I'm going to give a shit. I have an Academy Award, goddammit. And he does a bit of a Norwegian accent. First of all, this dude looks like Tony Kornheiser. Like beard, bald pate, and everything. He looks like Tony Kornheiser. There's no debate about it. Watch the movie. You'll agree. Uh, now, why is he in the movie? Why Why is his character in the movie? What What does he well, do? See, a good whodunit has plenty of red herrings, Chris. Especially ones that pet out the runtime to a cool two hours. More like a cold two hours, because it's snowing. Nice. So, Fucking bring it in, buddy. Yeah, anyway, he uh, he likes to take pictures of women who have their dresses undone. I mean, I've never seen a naked woman in front of me. I probably Is this the like the too. Louis C.K. thing where he jerked off into a <laughs> oh, potted no. plant? Oh, no. Or was it Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> Guys are really weird, I have to admit. That's why you should be Volsel. You won't get in these predicaments. See... You'll never have to worry about a sex scandal disrupting our podcast, because I don't have it. Well, that's the thing. is like, I thought I was gross, and I'm like, you look at these people. He's, he just brings this beautiful actress to, like, somewhere and undoes the top of her dress and takes a picture of her and then walks away. It's like, really? That's oh, what you're going to do? this guy's the killer. Yeah, that seems like a... He doesn't seem to respect women like I do, personally, women. I do respect and will fight for you. Okay. But this guy, he clearly does not respect women, so maybe he's the one decapitating them. Because that's how logic works in movies. Yeah. Anyway, there is also a calling card for this movie that... Remember oh remember in Jaws how when he heard the theme song, that's when he knew that it was time to be scared because that meant that the shark was coming on screen? Now... <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. My cell phone is getting a call. <laughs> Whenever you hear this song, this means that... Uh, the killer is either killing someone or about to kill someone. That? Really? I, I don't understand. Now, I will admit that the same thing happened to me that happened to you. It's I immediately thought of that Neil C. Sierra song. It took me a day, but I was walking and it hit me mid-stride and I froze in terror. And the first thing I I thought when I was watching the movie is like, as soon as I heard that do-do-do-do-do-do-do, I was like... Oh my god, they should have used they should have used that parody version because it adds let the bodies hit the floor to it and it would have made more sense. <laughs> like I spent most of this movie slumped over because how could you not as soon as that song kicked in, I straightened up, looked originally like what is the song? I know the song, I know it. And that was the most excited I was for the entire movie. <laughs> well, I also heard In the Hall of the Mountain King. Uh, shout out to oh, IMDB Trivia for uh, noticing that that was indeed Hall of the Mountain King. Because you have to be an idiot not to know that. Anyway, um, so that guy, J.K. Simmons, has no point in the movie. He is in the movie, and you could have cut out all his scenes, and no one would have cared. So, <sighs> Parker, am I am I forgetting anything? Because I just want to fast forward to the ending. Um, I mean, they find some corpses. I mean, 
the middle hour makes no sense, but there's some good. If you want to see some decapitated bodies with a snowman head on top of them, this is your movie. If you don't want to see that, uh, there are other things you can do. You. Uh, yeah, you can do literally anything else besides watch the snowman. But um, well, I think the only things I have here are really the quote, the great hairy hole. Oh my god! Oh, they find this one person's body. And they fucking ruled the cops like, it's a suicide, case closed. And there's the same fucking snowman sitting outside that's been with all the other corpses. And the cop just rules it a suicide with a shotgun blast to the top of the head. Yeah, which is how I'd want to go. Anyway, you know that... Can can we just talk about Val Kilmer's incredible death and then the end of the movie? I didn't even remember his death. How does it happen? What happens to this poor It's literally a flashback, like... Oh, you think that shack is still there? And then it flashes back to Val Kilmer. You can hear his dubbed over voice yelling. And then it cuts inside the shack and his head just gets blown off. <laughs> his comically large head just explodes. Well, oh boy, that head is enormous. It is. Fucking Rocky Dennis head ass. Well, <laughs> you know what? He shouldn't have been in this movie. Because the whole time I'm looking at him and I'm, I'm, I just feel like it's tragic. Just looking at him. Oh, what's happened to him? They're... The incredible power to melt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he looks like his face is too close to a candle the entire movie. <laughs> yes, it does. And they dubbed over a voice that talks like this. Hi, I'm Norwegian cop Val Kilmer. Why does everyone else in the movie have a British accent? You think we're not going to notice it? Hey, you son of a bitch. What did you do with their bodies? It's... <laughs> It's it's like it doesn't even match. This went in theaters and the dubbing didn't match the lips. It, it, it's like filming a movie in China and setting it in China and casting it with Japanese actors from one of each of the different islands of Japan, all with their <laughs> each different like accents and like dialects and whatever. You know, like it's so noticeably wrong. It's actually exactly like King Arthur, a movie I saw on purpose. Or everyone that's not Charlie Hunnam sounded like they didn't speak English and they were just reading the script phonetically. It's exactly like that, except... Wow, is this worse than King Arthur? They're both two hours. I would go with this as worse, probably. I haven't seen King Arthur, so I probably shouldn't even make a judgment on that. I mean, King Arthur does have Jude Law turning into a giant CGI man. Ooh. You know what? We're going to call it a push for now. Okay. I'm going to have to go back to the tape later. Let's go... <laughs> Look at the all 11 on it. So, uh, oh, by the way, this movie being in Norway, have you ever seen more Volvos in your fucking life than this movie? <laughs> Every single time a Volvo came on the screen, I wanted to scream. <laughs> <laughs> Another Volvo. <laughs> uh, I was like, no wonder people are killing each other over there. Fucking Volvos. Um, so let's get down to the climax here. Uh, Harry Hole discovers who the killer is. <laughs> it's this guy who's been in the movie the whole time. There hasn't really been a whole lot of clues for him, besides the entire first 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and he's going around basically killing all these women who have children. And why would you ring a 323? And they don't have the fathers in the picture. Because it's basically the same thing that he went through. The father left him, and his mother killed herself, and he was left all alone. So he was like, oh, now you guys will go through what I went through. Uh, and Harry Hole does kind of point out something. He's like, does, like he's cornering this woman's like about to die because the killer's right there. He's like, ask her if she deserves to live. And Harry Hole asks a very good question. 
uh, why not ask the son? <laughs> like, yeah, you do not realize, point, like, you went through all this pain. Now you're causing pain to all these other kids who have done nothing to hurt you. You're causing pain to all these other women who have have done nothing to hurt you. Do you think this actually hurts? Because, like, oh, well, this will hurt the fathers who aren't in the picture. They're, they're not in the picture. So <laughs> they'll hardly be hurt. As much as the woman who's getting decapitated and the son who's losing his mother. I'm going to own the deadbeat liberal dads by shitting in my diaper and killing their ex-wife. <laughs> so that's the, that is the biggest problem of the movie to me, is that the killer's motivations are absurd. They don't match up. It's like, if it was like, if he was killing the deadbeat fathers and be like, oh, it's a punishment, revenge sort of thing, I could get what they're going for here. But here it doesn't make any sense. And, oh, the killer just... Oh, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. So, so I'm stupid. so excited for you to get to how this movie ends. No, how about you do it? Well, our, our hero, Detective Harold Hole, there's a chase in a house. They eventually leave the house. And our hero, the great detective, Ari Ole, just stands in the middle of fucking ice where he could be ambushed from any side. And then the killer walks in. Just, you know, just approaches him. They have a conversation. Things get a little heated. And then the killer just falls into the ice. And that's it! The ice cracks, he falls underneath it. The end. Parker, that was one of the most poetic parts of the movie. Because now he can finally be with his mother. Yeah! (laughs) Actually, it gets worse. It gets worse. (laughs) Oh, do you want to talk about the very, very, very last scene that almost made me fucking put a hole in the wall? <laughs> yes. Now. Where the movie's over. You know what? No, no. You can take Okay, this thank one, you. Because I might start screaming. I do, I do want to talk about this. So, oh, beginning God. of the movie, we kind of realize that Harry Hole, detective for Norway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not even a Norwegian name. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, oh, the, the great whole clan of Norway. <laughs> Can you imagine if that name was pronounced Hole or something like that in Norwegian? <laughs> but we're going to say Harry Hole no matter what. Um, I swear, to God, we're not we're not making this up. All of our loyal listeners, that his name really is Harry Hole. Uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, it said that even though he was a legendary detective, now he's kind of I guess a wino or something. He sleeps on benches and stuff, so he's not having a great time. He doesn't want to do cop work anymore. Um, now at the end of the movie, now that he's solved this serial killer's case there is a woman who was stabbed 24 times in the stomach all right just sliced up her gullet right there and they're like who wants to take this case and harry hole raises his hand and says oh i'll take it and the movie cuts to black now the music that played when he raised his hand there was i i don't know how to describe it, it it's very difficult for me to describe this music here but i would almost call it uplifting it's almost like yes <laughs> Harry will take the case. That woman who was stabbed brutally 24 times right in the right in the breadbasket, her case is going to be solved by Harry Hole. I almost put my head through a hole. How dare you tease a sequel at me? How fucking dare you show me this movie? You forgot to film 15% of your fucking movie. You made me sit through two hours and like, hey guys, come back for more in two years. How fucking dare you? Oh my god, it was so heated. <laughs> this is the movie. Fucking, anytime a bad movie says the sequel tease, I get... Ooh. <laughs> I, can't do, I can't do it. 
I'm looking at you the last night. How dare you? Oh, you think that's bad? I got two that are worse for you. Uh, I'm ready. One, the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> you ain't gonna believe this, Chris. <laughs> oh, I believe. <laughs> Mario. Anyway, the other one is... <laughs> I can't stop laughing about this. I think I actually cackled in theaters. Is uh, the film adaptation of The Last Airbender. Oh, Jesus Christ. That movie on its own is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I saw that in theaters because uh, my brother dragged me to it because he was a big fan of the show at the time. Which, by the way, that is a good show. I'm going to make you watch it. Uh, no, really, I, I will. I will put you in a crab ride, dude. Uh it ends with like they're gonna introduce this character who's like a real badass in the show you're like oh watch out for her she totally kicks ass and she's played by like this kind of cute girl she sort of like smiles the camera realizes she's she's not supposed to smile to the smile phase and it cuts to black and i i did like a rich evans laugh and i was like there's no (laughs) way you're gonna make a sequel Just a reminder that before the Dark Universe, do you remember when they tried to do Dracula Untold and that was going to launch it? That nope. movie literally ends with a cut to present day, seeing the guy who played Dracula in present day, and then old Charles Dance saying, let the games begin. <laughs> and then they rebooted it, and then they canceled it after the reboot. That's the ballsiest sequel tease I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, I will say that there is uh, kind, of a, kind of a problem here, because... This might ruin the director's career, and this this is a really talented director. Now, he did put some of the blame on the studio. The studio apparently wouldn't let him film like ten to fifteen percent of this movie. Studio shouldn't have let him film a hundred percent of this movie. This was a terrible project <laughs> to adapt right from the start. There are far too many changes from the source novel, but if the source novel bore any sort of similarity to what we got on the screen, then the novel was bad to begin with. Why would you adapt something like this? I mean, this is terrible. This is really terrible. Do you mean the seventh novel in the Harry Hole series? This was the seventh one? Yeah. What? Turns out when you don't have six books worth of him being a loose cannon cop and the best in the world, him just being a drunk in the beginning doesn't really mean anything, huh? No, it doesn't mean anything. I... Okay, I'm getting more and more frustrated the more I think about it. It's also edited really poorly. It's not just the fact that it's incomprehensible, because part of that has to do with the story, but, you know, a competent editor can at least make it look good, right? This is edited by apparently two different people who have no idea how storytelling works. Because oh, this is about storytelling, how to how to put stuff together so it tells a, a cohesive story. Think about, again, Mad Max Fury Road. There's not a whole lot of dialogue. It's just action scenes. But if you edit it together really well, you get a sense of what's going on. Can you think of a movie with worse cuts to flashbacks in your life? I have never been so confused. Like, establishing shots, zooms in, like, oh, fuck, wait, this is like six years ago? I had no idea they what make was going no, on the time. They make no sense. They're just thrown in randomly. Like, I 100% believe that 15% they didn't film was all plot related. Well, probably. Because holy shit. Like, they'll be having a conversation... Like uh, when I joked about Val Kimmer dying, like he's talking to Val Kimmer's old partner. They have a conversation. They mention the shack. Abrupt cut to the shack. Val Kimmer getting shot in the head. Abrupt cut to present day. It's just shit like that the entire movie. It makes no sense. You have no sense of location, who anyone is, where anyone is in relation to one another. It's, man, it's really good, actually. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sounds like it. I I have no reason to like ever watch this ever again. I have no reason to recommend the same one because it's not even a good bad movie. It's not even someone. It's not even a movie where I'm like, oh, you have to see it. It's so bad. It's just frustrating. It's frustrating seeing good actors like have nothing to work with. It's frustrating to see a really good director just be hamstrung by everything, including perhaps himself. It's frustrating seeing a really bad murder mystery because I've seen so many of these like suspense thrillers and there's like, oh, this would be a really great twist or what if this happens or something like that. Like this reminds me of actually two movies. I keep mentioning the girl with the dragon tattoo and that's one of them and that's really well done. But there's also the silence of the lambs. One of the best, sorry, one of the best murder mysteries I've ever seen. I don't know why this movie couldn't do anything like this. It's like, okay, maybe you want to be a little bit different, but it just doesn't do it competently. In fact, I would say a good like 80% of the movie is even poorly shot, but the other 20% is really, really well shot. And I think that those are the parts that they use for the trailers. They're just like, oh, let's, you know, take these really great shots. That That's one of the things that Thomas Alfredson is really good at, is just getting these beautiful shots where it's just like, oh, man, that's mysterious. I can't believe he's doing it. What's going to happen next? And they just dumped him in the trailer. And everything else in the movie is just like, hey, check out the Volvo. Like, this movie has some gorgeous locations. Every time they had an outside shot, it's like, let's just stay out here. Mm-hmm. Let's just stay in these snowy mountains. You know, let's get down to some crime solving. Actually, one of the best shots in the entire movie is towards the beginning in that awful, awful, awful first 15 to 20 minutes where they're driving those cars on that highway bridge that just, like, elevates, you know? And you're like, man, what a shot. That's like, what are they going to do next? And then the woman kills herself by driving her car into the ice. <laughs> and just staring dead-eyed back at the audience like, yep, tricked you. You're here now. I mean, that's a terrible mother. Dude, I mean, what do you want me to do? Five, hey, like, Mom, get out of the car. And she just looks at him like, I'm kind of over this. Yeah. You did fail that test. <laughs> I mean, clearly you don't take history seriously, so you have to learn there's consequences. Yeah, well, this is what happens. Uh, is there anything else that we could possibly say about this movie? Like, I'm happy we did it, and I finally saw it, because I'll never watch it again. Because any time I would see the Mr. Police meme, there's always that thing of, like, I should probably Redbox this movie. Mm-hmm. But now I don't ever have to think about it ever again, because I'll never trick myself into going, no, nah, maybe it was funnier than I remember. No, nah, it was boring. It was really bad. Yeah, it was a... And, uh, you know, well... I can add that to the old letterbox, that's on there forever, and I don't ever have to think about this movie ever again. Mm-hmm. I showed a poster to a friend, she's like, that can't be real. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the... I remember even watching that trailer like, alright, you know, Michael Fassbender's been in a lot of bad movies, but you know, a spooky crime thriller, that'll be good. And then there's the shot of the snowman head on the body, and I just remember thinking, oh, fuck. Yep. Is he ever going to be in a good movie again? I feel so bad for him. He's so good. He is a very talented performer, I don't know that he ever will be. But it's depressing. So what should we do next? Oh boy, I didn't plan this at all actually. Parker, have you seen the disaster artist yet? I have, Chris. Have I have you? not, so I'm gonna watch in the meantime and how about we'll make that our next movie? Oh, you mean something like well made with interesting ideas and good performance? I know it's kind of off the beaten path for us, so it'll it'll be a bit of a change of pace. It'll be very nice to see this after watching Bright and this. Don't worry, I'm sure I'll hurt you the week after. Oh, I, I bet you will. All right, guys. Uh, next up is a little segment I record with Alex, one we actually like, about blow-up. So that one should be pretty fun. Enjoy. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. They largely say this because a picture can describe so much in so simple a shot. 
In order to describe a picture with words, you do the picture and the words a disservice. As such, it is somewhat difficult to talk about a movie like Michelangelo Antonioni's 1966 masterpiece, Blow Up. Blow Up is about a young man played by David Hemmings? I don't know. I'm not going to remember the guy's name after tonight. And he's a photographer, and he takes pictures of all sorts of things, and once upon a time he's taking pictures of a couple. It's a sort of voyeur moment. And he thinks he witnesses a murder. And in fact, I think we can confirm he does witness a murder. There's not much of a question here. And... That's it. That's actually kind yeah, of... Yeah, that's uh, the whole that's movie. The, Good night, that's, folks. That's the, that's the big part. Actually, there... We can't really say there's much, there's much else to it. There is a mystery here. Does it ever get solved? No. Um, <laughs> Alex, we watched this instead of watching the divisional game for the Jaguars versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. It ended up being 45 to 42, so mistakes I've... were made. <laughs> were they? Because that would require <clears throat> me to watch a football game that I do not give a shit about. Come on. My Jags? <laughs> The only team I care more about uh, than the Jags is my Steelers. Now, I have to... (laughs) I got her. Uh, So, have you ever seen an Antonioni movie? Antonioni? No, up until now, I didn't even know that that was just his last name. No, Michelangelo Antonioni has also directed (laughs) movies such as Open City, La Ventura, and a bunch of other Italian movies that no one gives a shit about. I have mentioned, in passing to you, at least a dozen times a day, the movie La Ventura, which came out, I think, in, like, 1960. It's the most <laughs> boring fucking movie I've ever seen in my life. Sorry, you guys, I don't know what it was me this time. Uh, that movie is, it goes nowhere and does nothing and leaves you actively mad that you ever watched it. Um... I mean, we've seen a couple movies like that. I don't think... You might have Laventure and that collection of classic movies that you have. Yeah, I haven't seen it, though. It's... I have seen movies that are on that level of critically acclaimed and yet just awful. Now, I don't know that I'd describe Blow Up as awful. I, I guess I'll let you go with a, a couple of your takes first. We could sort of trade off here. Um, no, I don't think... Sort of like I, tennis. I don't... <laughs> God damn it! Throwing out the ball. I, stop it! I don't. I don't think uh, there were mimes. There were mimes in this movie. Sort of. There were mimes in this movie, and, it, and it's some sort of weird British tradition that I didn't understand, where they just dress up in weird attire and drive around the streets of Britain and ask for money for quote unquote charity. Uh, and the movie decided to both open and close with those things. And the, the, those, they were both the most exciting scenes in the movie. Yeah, they kind of thrust you violently into a scene there at the end where they just start riding that truck and they're like... Ah, yeah. Like, first of all, would you be making that much noise if there was no one around? You'd just be like, okay, guys, let's find the next person. I don't know. Like, here. the whole time I'd be really concerned about the person who's lying on the hood of the car. You know who I was concerned about? Was the guy behind the wheel? Did you look at him? Oh, yeah, he was really, really nervous. Yeah, his face <laughs> was just like, oh, my God, if I swerve, <laughs> one of these people is dead. Please don't die. Please yeah, don't die. Please so, don't die. Um, but, yeah, the, the, um, the whole rest of the movie is a board, for t- board photographer takes picture in park. Picture turns out to may or may not have captured a murder in progress. And then the chick that's in the picture comes and says, Hey, 
give me, give me those pictures, and I'll show you my titties. And then she takes her shirt off, but they never show the titties, which I, actually, I saw. I saw a flash of a nipple. There was I, I've nipple, got nipple eye, but that's so. not. But there were no titties. It's different. Oh, you're right. There's no. There was no swell of the underbust or anything mm-hmm. like that, which is actually kind of nice. But uh, yeah, from your um, perspective, maybe. Then she leaves. And and then um, you do see her briefly, uh, but she doesn't have any more lines. She may or may not actually have been there. Well, that's a possibility. She does I kind mean, of just disappear. Right? Now that's a good point. I'll get back to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more point about the uh, freak—I mean, uh, Rag Week celebrators—is that that's how you earn money in Britain. I guess in America we have bake sales. So <laughs> Britain, try to get your act together, maybe. Or we also work for a living. You know, like this in, guy, in America, is, in America, I, we have uh, pie tins with pictures of naked ladies at the bottom and a bunch of whipped cream. See, it gives you something to work for. You know. God, country, football, in that order. Now, that, we also... not football. Now, we also, at the beginning of the okay. movie, we see our... I struggled to say the word hero. Uh, <laughs> is he coming out of an unemployment line? It looks like he's getting his welfare check. What, at the beginning? Yeah, what's he no. doing? What's he doing? He's rich as shit and super popular. So, what's he doing at the beginning of the movie? Uh... He was. Oh no! Remember, he was standing in front of a. He was standing in front of a sign that said, that said consort, and I thought it was funny because he was consorting with a bunch of old men for some reason. That made it. It was set up in such a way that as they walked away, it made it look like they had just made a deal to prostitute him for that night. Uh. Because they were so old and he was so young, and uh, yeah, I don't remember what he was doing at the beginning. Yep, I don't think it was even worth mentioning, but. Here I am. <laughs> anyway, uh, so he takes a bunch of pictures of very beautiful women. Uh, this does lead to a pretty decent line later on where he's talking about beautiful women. All you really do is look at them and that's it. And it's like, oh, well, you know, now he understands that the important thing about women is to, you know, treat them with respect and, you know, understand yeah, it from um, their brains. Guys and... listening, don't worry. This, this movie has a whole lot of naked or nearly naked ladies and almost none of them say anything. So, uh... You know what you're doing on Saturday. The important thing here is that I'm here to amplify your voice. The voice that of the Don't white speak man. too loud because the mic is just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. At a point, I cut out the laughter there. I thought it almost killed the joke. <laughs> okay. So among the women he takes pictures of, like you said, they really do not uh, say very much. Mm-hmm. This reminds think, me of another movie I saw that I did not like called The Neon Demon, where there's a whole lot of, look, it's a beautiful woman, and we're taking pictures of her. Why aren't you guys clapping yet? Hey. <laughs> it, I think this, maybe, is this the movie that invented that whole trope of photographers being like, oh, yes, love, you're beautiful, keep doing well, that, Well, no, considering love. <laughs> he doesn't do any of that in the movie. Well, he sort of did when he was all over Varushka at the beginning. <laughs> he was straight up like kissing her, you know. And that's that's the picture that they use for the poster because there is nothing else of special happening in this movie. Yeah. So okay. So he's taking pictures of this girl and he really likes her. She's like she's doing a good job. He's straddling her and like kissing her. It's kind of weird. And, he wasn't uh, kissing she, her. He was just whispering. Yeah, yeah. You kissed her at least her. twice. I saw at least two kisses. No, that was when he was whispering in her ear. Oh her no, he definitely snuck a kiss. I mean, look. 
Whatever. I, I'm a guy. I, I know how we operate. Anyway. anyway, so he finishes up with that. And by the way, you can see her ribs, so she is skinny as fuck. Which, I mean, she's a model. I mean, she was a literal, yeah. actual, for real yeah. model. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> you go on to uh, a segment where he, he kind of changes his demeanor and just... <laughs> He becomes an assistant football coach and just starts yelling at these women doing these weird poses like, wake up, you know, do, do, do this or thing. move your leg for it like this. And there he's like, no, come on, you've got to yeah, do it he's... better. Now, this is an important scene. This is an important scene for my overall, I don't know if it's my thesis of the movie, but I think it's kind of what the movie is trying to get across. And again, I think I'm kind of doing the movie a little bit of a disservice just by mentioning this. But when he starts telling the women... Uh, no, you've got to do it better, and just leaves them to their own devices. And I, I was looking at the girl on the far right, and she's just going like, uh, "Yeah, she's, like she's just trying to do. She's just trying to do scary hands." I guess. And then he's like, "No, out with your with your arm. You have to have your arm back." And she's like, "And my arm by my face. Is this what you want?" Yeah, except she didn't say that because women aren't allowed to. No, talk she wasn't movie. allowed to actually say yeah. anything. Yeah. Uh, this is, to me, an example of trying to describe a picture with words. You can sort of just use a picture and it'll speak for itself. I think that the main character in here has a fair amount of difficulty expressing himself unless it's through pictures, you know? And that's that's what the scene is sort of trying to illustrate, is that he's much better at just knowing what he wants because he can see the picture in his mind and is not great at getting the words out there. I'm not saying that it's well done, but I think that is what they're trying to do. Anyway, they're not really doing what he wants. He actually kind of barks at one of the women. I, I thought that was kind of mean. And then he tells um, her, okay, I, you, didn't, you guys you didn't are think tired. That him, you didn't think that him grabbing a chick's leg and like yanking it out from under her and almost toppling her over was like bad enough? Nowhere near bad enough. Again, that was on the wrestling team, so I've seen worse. But oh for, for this guy, he tells her, okay, you guys are clearly tired. Stay here with your eyes closed. Alex, it's, it's been a long and painful journey, but we have to admit that the most important thing in this movie... We never see these women again. For all we know, they died with their eyes closed. I think that is exactly what happened. I, I have to admit, I got like an hour and 40 minutes into the movie. I was like, all I can think about is those girls with their eyes closed. Are they still closing their eyes? Now, this is the thing. Is like, oh, come on. He just left. The, okay, yes, he does leave them and he never comes back. But at one point, he comes back to his studio and his secretary is like, hey, uh, they're still, you know, closing their eyes. You want to, like, do something? It's like, did they open their eyes? And she's like, yeah, they open their eyes. Tell them to close their eyes again. And then he just leaves again. I was like, is that supposed to be a joke? We, we never see them yes, again. Yes, he has no respect it's for It's really anybody. weird. Uh, so anyway, he decides to go out and just fuck around. I mean, uh, use his time productively. No, he's uh, going out there to fuck around because he can. Oh, no, this is really important stuff that he's doing. Like buying a giant propeller. Oh, yeah. That sure is a thing that happens. He also uh, looks at some paintings. Yep. He goes inside a store. Uh-huh. And takes pictures of that. Wait, what part does he take pictures of? Oh, he Remember he goes into a store with like the old guy in it? He doesn't take any pictures in there. He just Not looks around in there. It. He takes pictures of the store. He oh. walks out and took pictures of the store. Yeah. Then he... Then he goes to a park. Then he goes to a park and he sees some people. He sees a... No, no, come on. This part's actually kind of entertaining. Oh, yeah. Entertaining, yeah. Well, it's yeah, more was... entertaining than the rest of the movie oh, so yeah. far. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like staying on my chair and yelling and screaming. So, uh, these two people who are... No, you were eating your soft pretzel. 
it was a very good soft pretzel. Let's, you know. Anyway, uh, so there's a guy and a girl, and they're kind of... Uh, in a sort of 1960s like, British way. It's like an older, yeah, an older British, an older British gentleman and his young Paramore? lady, his young lady cohort, who is probably 20 or 30 years younger than he is. Mm-hmm. But still, somehow, she's 10 years older than the guy we've been following around so far. Yeah, the main character is probably like I would estimate like 27 years old when we made this. He looks about 14. Yeah, easily. So, that's weird. Even though he shaves the movie, still looks like he's 14 years old. <laughs> uh, actually, kind of looks like that one southern guy married to the to Yeardley Smith in Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> now, that's a pull. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's like the one movie you guys have gone over that I haven't seen. <laughs> and I was on that episode, too. That was real funny. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, at a point, cut that. My laugh was kind of over the top there. Okay, so... He takes pictures of them, uh, not exactly making love, sort of like... They weren't making... What? They're just running around in a park holding hands. Yeah, that's why... Some of the shots... It's really funny because some some of the shots are like, oh, you know, act natural, pretend that you're whatever, and it's very clearly staged by somebody who has some experience with setting up photography shots. I gotta tell you, those two characters from far away, they look like video game characters the way that they moved. They look like (laughs) Oblivion characters, like the way that they were like posing and stuff like that. Anyway, he takes pictures of them and the woman notices and she's like, hey, really appreciate it if you didn't take a picture of all yeah, this. Yeah, she chases after him and she's like, give me your fucking camera. Yeah. And he's like, no. And he's and like, like, nah, I'd please? prefer if I didn't. <laughs> and the guy just sort of like stays there. He's like, huh, I don't have any lines either. Yeah, the old guy doesn't. <laughs> the director's even. sexist against men too. The, so. the, old, the old guy at this point just disappears. Yeah, well, no, he doesn't. That's why I leaned over to you. Do you remember what I asked? If I heard anything? Yeah, did you hear anything? Well, it's customary for firearms to make a noise. So why on earth do I see this guy lying on the ground in this scene, apparently shot dead because we find out later on that in all his uh, voyeur pictures... Yeah, you're kind there of skipping ahead here. Well, I don't care. There's not, much, there's not exactly much that happens here. Um, <laughs> there, there was a guy hiding in the bushes behind a fence who had a gun. Yes, a gun. No silencer, not that a silencer would make it actually silent. That's not what silencers do. Uh, there's never a gunshot. There, there should have been a gunshot. And I can suspend my disbelief to a fair degree. I don't even get mad at the point in Star Wars where you hear an explosion in space. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but when he goes and he looks at the corpse later, because for some reason... They just leave the corpse in this park and walk away. Yeah. He goes back to the corpse later and stands over it. And by the way, his his pupils are not dilated. That's how you know he's not actually dead. Ah. Or the anyway. director didn't do a full job. Shut up. Um, you stare at him and you look him over. And as we could look him over, there's no blood on the grass. There's no blood in his, there's no blood on his suit. His suit is not rumpled in any way. He did not die of a gunshot. Well, he couldn't have died of anything. Now, this does get to another point that I'll get to in a little bit. I think it's like the main overarching theme of the movie. So he goes back to his apartment and blows up all the pictures. That's why it's called Blow Up, because you make them bigger. And he looks at me. He's like, hey, there might have been a guy who shot someone. Uh... Oh, no, wait. There's something important to mention before he develops uh, the film. What is it? That lady comes by and she takes her shirt off. Oh, oh. 
Well, it's a good thing we mentioned that. So she comes by and she really likes the film back. And so he gives it to her. No, he gives her. A, he gives her. He must a give her like a, a decoy. Film. Yeah. Decoy film. Oh, and she gives him a fake number. So ah, Aha. got you both. So, which we kind of knew was going to happen with both of them anyway. Uh, so that whole scene was not a waste of my time. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. the worst scene. Yeah, you know what was a waste of my time when those two groupies come over. Yeah, these chicks show up and they're like, will you take our pictures? We're like 14 and that's what you want in a model. And he's like, no, fuck off. And they're like, these, these, we'll, we'll have sex with you. And then we're to... I guess that we're was We're to assume that at some point maybe they had sex. I don't know. Now, the important thing about this is this movie was very uh, influential in breaking down the production code. Uh, you know, it was the, the Hays Code or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. And... It came out in 66, and just two years later, it was just a boss. You're like, fine, you can do whatever you want with your movies. and Sort of. Yeah, so this movie was a big, big hit. Now, originally, I think uh, MGM couldn't release this because of all the graphic nudity. I, I know I had to shield your eyes at a couple there of points because it was so like graphic. There are a total of, like, four nipples in this. They actually do I a pretty good job. I think it was, like, they do a, They do a pretty good job of having a woman topless. Without, and shielding her? With, yeah, without yeah. showing a whole bunch of titty, which... I know this sounds really fucking stupid, but I actually like really appreciated that because I I am I am here and ready to go for scenes in movies wherein a person is naked and it isn't sexualized. Well, I guess it was sexualized in this. Well, it was it was kind of a weird it was a weird like here I am. Well, it wasn't I bet, really. I sure I sure do bet you want to sleep with me, but it was still kind of. It was not titillating. I have no, to say, it was not exactly. titillating. Exactly, it wasn't titillating for the audience. Mm-hmm. It might have been for the director because I feel like this is another <laughs> one of the worthless scenes in the movie because there are a couple worthless scenes uh, where he was just that like don't involve an airplane propeller. Where yeah, well, that was one of them. Uh, <laughs> I think the director said something to the effect of. Hey, I want some deities in the movie. <laughs> and that's, he was like, and the, the producer's just like, oh, yeah, give Mike what he wants. Yeah, okay. So he right. got a couple teenage titties in this movie. Yeah. And sort of. Again, sort, sort of. of. Yeah. There, uh, there honestly were not a whole lot of titties. It, and and they, the whole. They the whole, may um, have had sex. The, the moral code thing yeah. actually makes that whole scene make a lot more sense. Yeah. It's, that's the uh, problem with watching old movies like this. You have to take so much into consideration before you can talk about it. Well, luckily, I'm able to kind of do that on my own mentally I'm you know I find that kind of easy like you know other movies that came out this year I'd say my top three for 1966 were but I'm a girl and it's hard for me okay you're already talking a whole lot more than Michelangelo and Tony would have let you (laughs) it's so hard for me to think and I just I feel like I need a cliff notes for any movies made by Michelangelo and Tony you know, Alex, I'm here to defend you at all costs. Now, the top three <laughs> movies of 1966 were, I would go with Persona. It was very, very good. Uh, a Man for All Seasons was excellent, won the Academy Award that year. But my top movie would have to be The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. All three of those are masterpieces. Wait, did that really come out in... Yeah, December wow. 23rd, 1966, so just on the tail end. This one came out on December 18th, 1966. So, <laughs> and so anyway, the the titties come out. And, uh, anyway, the guy thinks he saw murder, and yeah, he blows up all the pictures, and no, it's a very long... no, 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 no. You missed the part where he calls the police and reports a murder. Wait, I was thinking of a different. No, movie. the movie Sorry, missed that too. Yeah. Um, there's there's a very long 
and pretty much entirely silent sequence, which I was mostly okay with until I was reminded at the end that the soundtrack was done by Herbie Hancock, and then I realized that there's almost no fucking music in this movie because it's what all the diegetic. Hell? So anyway. Um, that's actually a scene that really worked well with not having any, like, dialogue or oh, any just, music Oh, just the pictures coming up like doing that? Doing the picture. That, that was, that yeah, scene, that was that, that, that whole sequence of him blowing up the pictures and, like, going and circling the thing and then making, and then making another print of it and then blowing it up again, that, that was actually kind of fun to watch. Fun being a relative term yeah. for use with this movie. Fun if you were, like, Stanley Kubrick and completely naked. Anyway, it's fun so, if you're a uh, film student. So he goes out because, you know, steady work as a photographer, doing what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes out and he's like looking for the girl. He thinks he sees her. Thinks he sees her. That was very clearly the same actress, but the movie kind of well, doesn't same, make it clear. Yeah, that's the thing is the movie doesn't make it clear that she actually existed. She sort yep. of disappears, and I think basically the movie's overarching theme is. We'll get into it at the end because the end does a really good job of illustrating it. But okay. he decides to if go you to say it. So. I keep bringing this up. I better, I better do something. I, I, I think I have an idea of what it was going for. I could be wrong, but I'll, I'll just give you my take on it. Mm-hmm. He decides to go to a Yardbirds concert. <laughs> this is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is after they fired Eric Clapton, or after he quit the uh, thing. And this scene is just the weirdest fucking. I, this is very bizarre. Now. Fans of classic rock will be really excited because this is one of the Yardbirds. The Yardbirds are really well known for having three fantastic guitarists. Never at the same time. But they had Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, and Jimmy Page. This is after Clapton in one of the rare uh, like two-month stretch where they had Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page at the same time. That's awesome. Okay. Unfortunately, the crowd did not agree. They were in a small club and the no, they crowd... Were, they were into it. No, they weren't. They were, uh, they were... No, they were not into it. They, no, they a couple were... of them were. What? There was the pair that okay, were dancing yeah, so like two, some ancient hipsters. Okay, yeah, so two out of like the 200 there, uh-huh. so 1% of the audience was into it. They were doing this weird dance that did not match the beat. I know, it was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the music was, I would say, not bad. Although, I'm, I'm kind of a Yardbirds fan. I don't know if you noticed, but the entire movie is basically moving against the beat of the music that's playing. At one point, the main character does say those words kind of explicitly. Which is cool. Yeah. That's, in that's, my opinion. Yeah. Anyway, the director, this is a true story, the director wanted to get the Who. Because he, <laughs> he thought the whole destroying their instruments on stage thing was kind of neat. Yeah. But he couldn't get them. I think they were too big at the time. So he decided to go with uh, the Velvet Underground. He couldn't afford them. They decided to go with uh, Steve Howe's band at the time. Couldn't get them. So instead, he was like, okay, Yardbirds. <laughs> Who do I have left? <laughs> he said, Yardbirds. I want you to destroy your... No, nobody can see you doing the spicy meatball hands. That's <laughs> the spicy meatball. I want you to destroy the guitar. <laughs> doing it with two hands is not going to make it No, what, this hand isn't doing the uh, spicy meatball thing. This the one is like uh, pulling out my mustache. <laughs> Jesus, man. Anyway, uh, Luigi... I mean, sorry. Uh, Jeff Beck decides, okay, I'll be like Pete Townsend. I'll destroy my guitar. Yeah, the most he, like, boring fucking destruction of a guitar ever. He, he gets upset that the, the amp, the amp behind him is, is like staticky or something. It's giving him like feedback or something. Oh no, I don't. I think he was trying to play, but it wasn't coming through. It was just staticky. Yeah, I, all so I could he, hear like, was clap. He turns or it was around, Page at the time. He turns around 
and wangs his guitar against the, the, the amp before giving up and throwing his guitar on the ground and stomping on it. Yeah, he keeps on doing that. Anyway, then he throws the bridge of the guitar into the crowd, and for once their eyes light up. The dead have been yeah, awakened. Yeah, suddenly they flip the fuck they out. They act like it's the Shroud of Turin. Yeah, they and... mob the stage, and some people are clearly being trampled and, mm-hmm. and cut in half. And he never sees that girl again, and it was a complete waste of my time. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Yeah, he, he, the, our, our photographer friend ends up with the neck, and he walks out of the, he walks out of the concert out to the... Out to the uh, the street, just drops the neck on the ground and walks away. <laughs> yeah, you asked a good question. Why does he do that? That's a very good question. So our photographer friend decides to go <laughs> on to a party. Oh, nice call And back. he just, That's a very he's good at a party question, and everyone is just getting high. <laughs> and he sees his old friend who he's submitting a book of pictures for. Which, by the way, I like the pictures that were like originally selected for that book. I was like, those are some pretty powerful pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, look, I saw a picture of, of uh, I think, of a murder today. Yeah, I saw a picture of body, and the body's in the park. We have to go get a picture of the body. See, my first thing here would be I should tell the police and not try to solve this mystery on my own. Turns he wasn't out, even trying to plot, solve the mystery. I know. That's what kind of kills me about this is that it's like there's a mystery. It's like, let's leave that to someone way cooler than me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm just like, but there's a movie about you. Let's leave, <laughs> let's leave that to someone who gives a damn about the cops, man. So at one point during the night, he goes back to the, to the place. And he does see the dead body there. He's like, the dead body is there. And then he walks away. Well, Instead he didn't have the like, camera with him at the time. Should have brought a camera. He's a photographer. Usually photographers carry well, cameras. Well, usually he keeps one in his Rolls, his sexy, sexy open-top Rolls Royce. Um, but that was the one that he took the pictures in the park with, and then he didn't bring it with him because it was in his apartment. Yeah, anyway, then he goes back later the next day after... He goes party. back, he goes, to, he goes to find the corpse. He finds the corpse and goes, oh yeah, that sure is a corpse. And then he goes back home... And finds that his whole place has been ransacked, torn apart, and all of the photos have been taken away. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So did I think it was hiding the truth or something. <laughs> anyway, so it's like, huh, something happened. And then, <laughs> oh, my God, I just realized, oh, my God, what if what if that was the impetus for, like, the mob? And let's let's assume, I don't know, the, the British mob, the, the Peaky Blinders killed the guy, right? And they, they go over to, uh, the, the girl's like, hey, someone took pictures of it. We have to go ransack his apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they go over there, and they're like, oh, my God, the pictures. Are- oh, shit. Davey, we left the bloody body there. So they- <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the impetus for them to go back and be like, all right, let's steal it away before this, what's, what's the, like, before this bugger goes over there and takes pictures of it. Possibly turns us into the cheeky, coppers, this bloke. Cheeky lad. This cheeky monkey just tries <laughs> to take pictures of it. I wouldn't call him a bugger. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. But uh, anyway, he goes back there and the body is not there anymore. Yep. And if the movie had just ended there, I probably would have shit my pants. Because yeah. that would I, I was expecting the movie. I was, I was I would, about I, to be like, man, the I, movie fucking the, ends here. What it does is the God. movie does like the kind of like the sign for like, oh, we're ending soon. Because the camera starts like pulling back and pulling back and pulling back. Yeah, the camera starts back. to pan out a bit. And I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. If you end it right there, I'm going to, I'm going to pull the guy sitting next to me's beard and just be like, mm mm mm. Yeah, no, once, sir. once we got past the Yardbirds bit, I was like, how are they going to end this movie? Yeah, I, I have to admit, <laughs> I was at the same thing. When they were at the party, I was like, okay, I've already signed the check here. What, what, yeah, what like, happens what are, now? 
It's like, what, we, what, what, we're good like 85% do? into this movie. You gotta have to wrap this up somehow. Something has to end. Well. Kind of. No. Anyway, so <laughs> they they come across the freak. I mean, the kids who are dressed rag, up like mimes. The ragweed kids. The ragtag. And the uh, they, they're like riding around in some Jeep or some shit. And uh, they yeah, start they're riding around in a shitty little car. Apparently, these kids are like either stoned or drunk out of their minds because they happen upon a tennis court. They're like, oh, let's play mime tennis. Yeah. And uh, Michael's just watching this. Now, if you listen really closely, when they're playing tennis, the film is basically silent except mm-hmm. for the very slight sounds of footsteps. One mm-hmm. of the things the movie does, this is so weird to me, mm-hmm. that the movie is basically about the visual medium of photography. Yeah. One of the things the movie does extremely well is sound design. Like, the sound design for me is easily one of the best parts of the movie. It really? Because that, yes. that whole sequence where he's chasing those half-naked chicks around his apartment... The sound was terrible. I think that's exactly what I was going for. I think that's one of the reasons that made me like the sound design so much is when you could like hear how awful that purple like whatever thing that they were canoodling the backdrop, on. The purple backdrop. Yeah. yeah, I hated that sound, and I think that was almost the point of it. I think it was yeah. supposed to be jarring. Anyway, when they're playing tennis, you could barely hear their sneakers on the on the top. Then, at some point, they lose their ball. Real funny assholes. And Mike has to throw the ball back over the thing for them. They get it back. And then the camera focuses on him, and you can hear a real ball being hit back and forth. Mm -hmm. This leads me to believe, as I had felt throughout the entire movie, that the, the movie is about the difference and similarities and the blurring of essence and reality and not surreality, but fantasy and imagination. I oh, think I was going to say this is too British to be surreal. Exa- well, yeah, I agree. Like I, it's too it's too Italian it's too Italian to make a whole lot of sense, but it's too British to be surreal. Well, I mean, if you want a surreal British movie, I guess you can watch performance, but we'd rather watch better movies. Uh, womp womp. Yeah, this. Uh, I feel like the protagonist in this movie is searching for reality or fantasy and getting them very easily confused and that's why i feel like when he sees the body and he's not sure it's like there's no gunshot wound there's no blood which could be the director being lazy we know how he is i saw la ventura (laughs) it's it maybe there's a possibility that he never existed and the girl when she disappears maybe she just straight up disappeared but then again why was his apartment ransacked who knows maybe it was the two girls who came back they're like he didn't take our picture no, Trash it! I think I think more likely is the chick who was there earlier in the day mm-hmm. when got the, the got the film looked at said, "Hey, this isn't my film." Mm-hmm. And then she goes back with a couple of, of with a couple of cronies, mm-hmm. finds the place empty but covered in pictures of her, and they just you know tear the place apart because kid fucking deserves it. Well, he does. <laughs> yeah. Also, she never makes clear why she needs the pictures back. Yeah. I guess that was like. Kind of a utilitarian sort of thing. It's, it's you know? sort of like you can kind of tell that very clearly she, for one reason or another, should not have been in the park with that particular old dude at that particular old time. Yeah, but that now, whether time. whether or not whether or not it's some sort of illicit affair, or if she's she like led the dude out there so that he could be assassinated, like one way or another. She wasn't supposed to be out there with that old dick. Yeah. Anyway, basically at the end of the movie, the guy sort of fades and then disappears into the grass. And I think that's sort of like a side Just work. like the corpse. Ooh. Yeah, so it's kind of like himself being lost in his own 
fantasy crossover with reality, which again, it's not surreality, but it's sort of, I think that was what the director was going for here. Apparently, this is a lot easier to follow than his other work. I have to tell you, a lot of Joe is a little too easy to follow. Did, did I mention I don't like that movie? Yeah, you've anyway. made that very clear. Uh, overall, would not recommend Blow Up. I'd recommend it to um, a certain subset of uh, USC film students. Yeah, but, but at the same time, I would be shocked if said USC film students had not already seen the movie by the time I recommended it That's to That's a good point, too. All right, guys, drink your milk.